Mixed emotions, so sad to be. <clears throat> Looking into a, a laptop again, but it's all right. So glad to see you. We've been praying hard for this morning. The glory of God is going to be shown off in some deep ways today. So we've been praying and anxious for it. If this is your first time ever connecting with Seven Mile Road Church in Melrose, Mass., wow, thank you for being with us. This is a delight to have you joining us. I know it's odd circumstances, but we are making the most of it, and it is really good to have you. We're going to spend about an hour together. Glad that you'll be with us for that time. We would also love to know who you are so that we can get you in the loop on the communications of the life of our church. So at the top of our website is a connect card. If you click on that link, <clears throat> you'll be able to give us your email address and get right into the loop on all that's happening in the life and mission of our church. Before we move to a time of worshiping together, I'm gonna run us through a few announcements. If you're brand new to Zoom, you should be hearing me and seeing my face. There also should be a screen that's sharing some content for you so you can mess around till you get that to work. All right, announcement one. Every Thursday night, if you're connected to our church, we would love for you to log on to spend some time in prayer with us and connecting virtually. We've been lamenting and rejoicing and knocking on our Father's door with our needs in this season. Maybe I see it more than anybody else, but God in his grace is at work in this church right now. He is answering our prayers. Everything that we want to be about, he has not slowed down just because we're in a every hundred year viral pandemic. Please be open to that. Please don't miss this season. Please be leaning into everything that we're going for. Don't miss it. Thursday, if you're free, that's a part of that. Everything begins and is surrounded in prayer and God is answering. All right, second slide. So um, maybe to our surprise, but it's great. The Commonwealth has given the green light for churches to step in phase one into in-person services. We had a great hour and a half conversation with all of you on Thursday night about the why and a little bit of the how that that will look for us. If you showed up and engaged, thank you for doing that. If you filled out one of our surveys, thank you for doing that. Super helpful, super helpful. And uh, on Tuesday morning, our staff and our pastors will start in earnest on operational and communicational stuff toward the end of being back together with the way that this will have to work and decisions we'll need to make and prep that we'll need to do. We're probably looking at June 7th as 
a re-entry into a new way of doing church, hopefully for a short season. So we'll stay in the loop as we're rolling that out, but stay connected to us. Remember our big dreams in doing this, our, our big hope in this season, that the glory of God, his greatness, the treasure that he is would be shown off in how we do this, that we would remain uncommonly unified together and the missional stuff we're going for, boldness, creativity, hospitality, the long game, that you would see in the fibers of how we re-enter those things on display. So participate and pray with us toward that end. Um, we're trusting God to, to guide our little community in a way that would be pleasing to him. All right, last slide. A bunch of you have asked us about money in this season. Um, how's the church's giving? Has it been negatively impacted? Where are we at? So um, you guys are sticking with the course and you're giving. It's beautiful. Don't forget that Seven Mile Road works because you give generously. That, that's about it. We are carrying somewhere between 90 and 95% of our costs from the people on this call being generous. Because of the gospel, we're envisioning a new way of doing money. It's not ours, it's God's. He's allowing us to be stewards of it. And so from what he gives us, the first thing we do is give generously to him and to others. And the primary area of that giving is this, the advance of the gospel, the care of our souls through the mission of our local church. So I don't know how clear you can see this, but we tried to pick the simplest possible chart for you to see. So you see those bars down at the bottom in maroon? That's our required giving budget that we set for the year to do our thing. You guys are crushing that every month. It's beautiful. The blue bars are what have actually been given since the start of the fiscal year, so September through today. And we're surging, which I love to see. That last two bars is just giving, uh, Pastor Justin gave to me just through the 23rd of May. So in the third month of this pandemic, we've already by far exceeded what we've been set to give just three weeks into the month. So this is good. If you have not started giving, or if you are barely giving, please have the faith and the courage to join us in this effort to say, the mission of this church is going to be funded really well. As God enables you to earn, give to him for the advance of the gospel. There's so much joy in that place. The other sweet thing this will allow us to do is to freely meet any needs in the life of our church as they arise with the effects of the economic lockdown. And you made that happen. So we're glad about that. We would love to give $100,000 a month to the mission of God. So let's just roll in those directions as God would have us to do it. All right, those are our announcements. Next slide. 
I think is our call to worship. And this, I know this is a pseudo way to worship, but it's way better than not connecting. So what we want to do now is set our hearts to step in to God, to his reality, to his grace, to his love for us, to his invitation again this week that we are his and he is ours. We come humble and needy and broken, but with eyes and hearts wide open, ready to hear from him and receive. Because we have seven of you speaking today, I'm just going to lead the liturgy as well and frame the day. Hear these words. They're from the second book to the church in Corinth. It's the sixth chapter. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, hey, hey, right now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. Oh, God, hear our prayer for that. So that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in calamities, in beatings, in imprisonments, in riots, in labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, for the right hand and for the left, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated like imposters, but we are true, as unknown but yet known, as dying. And yet, behold, we live as punished but not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. The words of the Lord. All right, join us as we sing together to open our time. You'll find me with the broken and the weak In the spaces in between You'll hear my voice cry out with those who weep Only if you're listening Whatever
band we love you love you for putting the effort in to do this for us each week if you didn't see it you should have seen the contraption that joshua dykeman had to put together to record the keys happening it included folding chairs and rakes and duct tape it was wild josh thanks for the effort let me frame our time together we've asked seven folks to share about how God has been gracious to them, given them joy and hope 
even in the midst of the crazy last 10, 11 weeks of our life, especially with so many of the sorrows and laments that have come upon us. So they'll be carrying the day. I'll be just doing the framing and introducing of each of them so you know who's who. There was this amazing little phrase in that power-packed thing that we opened our service with where Paul described their ministry as being sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It may seem weird to read those words together. How could you be sorrowful and yet always have a spirit of rejoicing? Isn't that opposite things that don't go together? Uh, The answer is no. In this life, they go tightly together because of God's grace to us. And here's a big idea on that. Next slide. Here's why. Because our joy is rooted not in that everything goes right in life, but in that God is God and that he is for us in the gospel. That's the ground of why we can be sorrowful yet always rejoicing. We're going to now let the stories and the testimonies of our folks unpack this truth for you. So I'll stop there. We're going to start with Fran and Teresa Brown. So I had this wonderful providence this, I think it was November, where I was able to be with our church in Seven Mile Road in Houston. And the Brown crew happened to be there that weekend too. We will not talk about the outcome of the Patriots game on that day, but they were able to worship with our congregation there. And I was able to introduce them, but also say to them, I know I'm prone to hyperbole, but this is a true statement. There is no Seven Mile Road without Fran and Teresa Brown. The way that they have, from the start of this thing, thrown themselves into it, the ebbs and the flows, both personally with me and with so many of you. Um, If you haven't met them, I pray that you do in these coming weeks and years, because it'll be a grace to your soul. And they're going to start out and share first. Thanks, Matt. When Sarah and Pastor Matt reached out to see if we would like to share um, about a lament, a joy, or a gospel advance uh, that we have encountered during this pandemic, we both agreed and we both even knew what we would be sharing. Uh, We'll each share just a few thoughts um, from our own perspective. For us, it's a lament. Ten months ago, Ethan, our future son-in-law, asked me for a daughter's hand in marriage. As you can imagine, uh, you know, we were, we were thrilled and I said yes. And, and from there, mother and daughter kicked it into high gear to be sure that they had a special celebration with all of the details covered. There were planning meetings, gown shopping, uh, menu planning, venue choosing, invitations, dance selections, you name it, we were covering it. The one thing we didn't plan on was a complete shutdown due to a deadly virus. I was excited to be able to um, host 
just a tremendous uh, celebration for my only daughter. Uh, you know, as a father, you, you plan for that day. Uh, we were going to have a, a rooftop celebration, um, uh, dancing, uh, just on the June 20th, which is the longest day of the year, and we're going to take every minute of it. For as far as I can remember, uh, Lee and I have talked about what song we would use for the father-daughter dance. And when it became more and more apparent that the wedding we had been planning was not to be, we were devastated. It was a time of sadness, tears, and frustration. It, but then as the new plan emerged, there was reason for hope. Leah has been amazing through this, and despite being sad about her wedding plans being destroyed, she has stayed focused on the real reason for the day, that's the marriage. We are very disappointed, yes, but we are also very excited about Leah and Ethan understanding this is about a marriage that lasts a lifetime, and not about a wedding that will only last a few hours. As a mom, my heart feels for my children. And when they're excited, I am. And when they hurt, I hurt. No matter what age they, my children are, this is something I have found never changes. When COVID-19 struck our world in, in March, like many of you, I prayed the health and safety of my loved ones and for others. I had so many questions and more personally, I questioned how this would affect my only daughter in her wedding, which was three months away. I prayed and prayed Leah and Ethan would still have the awesome wedding celebration we had planned together and we were all looking so forward to. As time went by, I realized God was not answering my prayer in the way I had hoped. After many discussions and like Fran said, some tears, Leah and Ethan chose to forego the big wedding and have an intimate ceremony instead. At the end of the day, what they truly want was to be most, what they truly wanted most was to be married to each other and to start their married life as man and wife. I realized God did answer my prayer, not the prayer about the wedding celebration itself, though. He answered my and friend's lifelong prayer for Leah, and while we also prayed for, pray for each of her three brothers, to marry a person who loves God and loves them. Ethan is that man for Leah, and I am so thankful God answered my prayer. All right, Fran Teresa, thank you. Ethan and Leah, June 20th is going to be solid. I'll be there. Praise God. Um, yeah, feel the weight of that. Prayers that God answers in different ways and he answers them even better than we could have thought on the front end, wild. All right, next is Luke and Bianca. 
If you haven't met them yet, I hope you do. These kids got married twice this year. They were so excited about it. Uh, they've also taken up the call to make disciples of and love our fourth through sixth graders. They've been such a gift to us. Um, you know what a dimmer switch is on a light? You can make it brighter. Uh, Bianca's like a dimmer switch. When she walks in the room, everything immediately gets brighter. So I hope you receive that grace from and through them. We're going to let them share now. Go ahead, you guys. Well, thank you. That's really sweet. Um, so uh, this pandemic has actually treated us very well. Um, we are both able to work from home. Um, Luke is a student at Gordon-Conwell, and I'm an architect. So we're both um, working from home. And in turn, our marriage is thriving because we're spending so much time together. Um, what's really cool is we've been able to see each other. Um, we've been able to see each other work, which is a world that we otherwise wouldn't get to see. So we've learned a lot about each other during this quarantine, um, and that's just really helped our marriage. Also, our house is cleaner than it ever has been before. Um, we since we, we've been spending so much time at home, we're like, well, we might as well enjoy being here. So we've really taken the time to clean and organize the house, which has played tremendous, um, a, a tremendous role in our own like mental well-being um, and our marriage too. Yeah, what she's really saying is I finally started picking up my dirty socks. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna say that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, we work on separate things um, all day, but there's also some stuff we get to do together. Uh, and one of those is gospel formation with the middle schoolers. Um, we've been we've been doing what we can to kind of take advantage of this crisis, like find what what are the opportunities here? And one of them is like it's a lot easier to get a group of people together in one room on Friday night. Of course, that Zoom, or sorry, that room is a Zoom call, but we still are able to get people together. So we've had a couple of Jackbox game nights with just the middle schoolers that have been fun. And then we've done a couple of like all family, um, family game nights and shout out to the Haas for winning Family Feud last Friday. Um, but it's just like, that's how we've been spending our Friday nights and it's been awesome. And that's normally so hard to do when everyone is trying to meet in person. Uh, we've also had one-on-ones with, uh, with the kids and have been getting to know them personally. And that's been really cool to do uh, through Zoom, opening up that opportunity. And then Sunday mornings, we still are powering through gospel formation. Uh, it's been very productive, mostly because of the mute button. No, not really. Um, it's been it's been going really well because the kids are they're so active, they're so interactive, they're so lively, and they really are what what's making it formative. Because um, like we're definitely missing an element not being there in person, but the kids are really picking up um, that. What, you know, what's lagging by not being in person, by just being uh, so, so into it, really taking ownership for their own formation in the gospel. And that's been such a blessing to see. Yeah. Um, something else that we've been trying to be intentional about is um, our neighbors upstairs who live in the same house as us. Um, we've been inviting them over for meals and we've been trying to be just really hospitable and um, kind, showing kindness to them. They're not believers and they know that we are 
believers. So we just want to be really good representation of the Christian faith to them. Um, so this quarantine has also been a good excuse to kind of reconnect with family and friends back in Kansas, where we're from. So we've um, started teaching a live yoga, live Facebook yoga event, and our family's been really consistent about coming, which is awesome because half of our family are non-believers as well. So we've kind of sprinkled in like reading scripture at the end of class or incorporating God in little ways here and there in those classes, which has been really awesome. And I've also really gotten good at warrior three pose. Very sure, graceful. Um, so also, also Zoom has afforded us uh, the opportunity to do a Bible study with my dad. My dad's a pastor back in Kansas, and I've never never done a Bible study with him. Um, and so that's been really cool to join in on Thursday nights. It's adding a dynamic to our relationship that we hadn't had. Uh, and so Bianca and I have been tuning into that and getting a lot out of it. And then my mentor from when I was in college, who like I would spend two to three hours a week with him every single week for four years. And then I come out to Boston, kind of lose connection with him but now that everyone's hanging out on zoom i'm i'm just reconnecting with him every single week and he's really been pouring into me and uh that's been that's been really refreshing so yeah in summary a lot of zoom calls a lot of zoom calls but we still like we're still seeing the gospel come alive and we're still you know doing what we can to help advance it and find the opportunities in this crisis All right. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, yeah. Bianca. I told you they brighten up a room. Thanks for sharing. All right. Who's next? Hey, who's this lady? All I, all I have to say is this. Um, in October, this 69-year-old woman went headfirst right down a flight of stairs. And um, a couple of months later, was back like nothing happened. I've never seen anything like it. So we're going to let my mom share for a little while. Are you on here ready to jump in? Sarah will have to give you permission to unmute. Okay, I'm ready. Nice glasses. Yes? Okay. Lockdown has been a very powerful revelation to who I really am. It has revealed the foolishness of the ways that I filled my days. Many things have been stripped from my daily existence, and I think, were they really necessary or even useful? The lack of some have made the remaining so very precious. I have a few true laments, things that I am missing that I see as truly useful and necessary. Our gathering as Seven Mile Road family, my personal family contact and having a full house, the library being closed, my hairdresser not working, and the walking track at Pine Banks unavailable. Although I have greatly missed and truly have mourned the inability to gather, it is grace from God that I continue to receive the teachings of the word each week. These words of teaching 
have become the basis for meditation and prayer the entire week. They have refocused my days and filled me with hope and great faith. And oh, my family, how can I possibly be left with such pain? How can I possibly survive no touch? Impossible. My heart is breaking. But then I remember that even when I did see, touch, kiss, and get in their face, it never was really enough. I carry them in my heart and on my shoulders always, many times agonizing before God for them. Most of the time with groanings as I am so overcome with need that my words fail. Many times I have left place of prayer still anxious, burdened, and defeated. And then I think that that maybe is why I am so physical. I try so hard to make all things good. Will they feel loved and safe if I hug them enough? Then we have the lockdown. It has been grace to me from God that I have learned to write my prayers for my family. The words I have feasted on Sunday after Sunday, the words from Philippians 1, 3 to 11, Philippians 2, 5, Philippians 12, 2, 12 to 16, Philippians 4, 5 to 7, have brought life, hope, and expectancy to my prayers. I write down words and I pray them over and over with great expectancy. My prayers are no longer based on the needs that I see or the fears that I feel. They are based on what God wants for us, who God is, and what he can do. This praying brings me to pray more often, and I come away filled with hope. I've been also studying Revelation, and it shows me and gives me words to pray that God's plan will never be stopped. We will be victorious by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I have sticky notes all over and on the pictures of my family. Dear God, let their hearts be turned toward you. Dear God, let their manner be as of children of God, marked by repentance, obedience, and forgiveness. My heart still longs to grab them. Yet I know that I am loving them, honoring them, and valuing them in a much greater and meaningful way. I am praying, believing, and rejoicing in intercession for them. Through my laments and in spite of some losses, one thing truly remains. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done. On a missional note, After 35 years, I have connected with a high school friend, Karen B. The first words when she heard me on the telephone and realized that it was really me, she said, Margie, do you still have faith in God? Yes, I do, Karen, I said. She's very alone and very fear-filled. She has no computer, no iPhone, so it's really hard for me, this long telephone conversation thing. Wow, that has been a long time that I've ever done that. I can't get her on Zoom, but I pray continually that we can have productive gospel conversations. So you can help me pray for Karen.
Lastly, I just want to say that the lockdown has bought that the word of God has filled our home. All right. Thanks, Mom. All right. Up next is somebody that um, you've never met before. No. And he's not a part of Seven Mile Road in Melrose. But um, we're going to have Tim from Fitchburg both introduce himself um, and catch up with us. Uh, Tim and I connected by email and then Zoom over the last six or seven weeks. He's a part of a church out in Fitchburg that is seeking God about how can they continue forward in, in being a gospel presence for those in their city. And um, I have not only met Tim, but have been loving and gospeling and getting to know this team of men that are just godly and serious about each other and the mission of the church. And I thought it would be really good for us to hear from someone outside of our community so that we can maintain our vision for how we go about our work matters and God is using it to encourage people way outside the scope just of those who we are sent to. So Tim's going to jump on. Well, good morning. Like uh, Matt said, I'm Tim and I'm from Fitchburg. And if you don't know where Fitchburg is, um, it's a city in the north central part of the state. Um, and like you said, you don't know me, uh, but my wife, Kathy here and and I have joined your Zoom services for the last five weeks. And like for all of you, I'm sure this season has presented uh, difficulties and I'd like to share a couple of them with, with you. Um, our son was studying abroad in, in Spain this semester, but was forced to come back early due to the lockdown. And after returning, he tested positive for COVID-19. Thankfully, not with serious symptoms but it put our household in strict quarantine. So dealing with that was the first level of stress. Now I'm the director of the food pantry ministry at, at our church in Fitchburg. And two Saturdays per month, we serve about 130 to 150 families in our community. But unfortunately the pandemic has led many food pantries in the area to close. So we felt it was all the more important that we stay open during this period to meet the needs and to be a witness. However, the majority of our regular faithful volunteers are in demographics that make them more vulnerable to the virus. We didn't want to put them at risk and to add the burden um, on our healthcare system. So we needed to find additional volunteers, which is not an easy task given that people are just naturally afraid of the possibility of exposing themselves uh, to the virus. So the stress level was picking up. Another challenge with the food pantry we faced is that because of the health, um, the public health related restrictions, we couldn't operate the same way as before. Normally our clients would come into the building on distribution day and they would shop and fill their own bags, but having them in the building was no longer allowed. So we had to shift our process to prepack the food the day beforehand. And then we would deliver the, those prepacked bags directly to their cars on distribution day. So the combination of needing to find these many new volunteers and having to redo our operating procedures, all the while my being under quarantine 
um, and and being unable to actually be there and participate, all, all those things together made this one of the most stressful times I've ever felt. And I was just praying to the Lord to make a way. So I reached out to all the members of my church community, letting them know the need. Uh, but as time grew closer, things still seemed very uncertain to the point where I was close to calling it off. But the volunteers came through in the end, and, and I should say God came through in the end. Uh, people stepped up despite the risk and took on responsibilities that relieved the pressure on me. And uh, the, these new food pantry preparation and uh, distribution process, it went beautifully. And as a result, we were able to be there for our clients in their time of need, which has en enhanced our witness to the community. We've continued to operate through this pandemic, which has proven God's faithfulness. This reminds me of the encouragement that Paul had for the church in Philippi after receiving their, general, their generous gifts uh, to him uh, while he was under house arrest in Rome. He said, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's from Philippians 4.19. Now, about the same time the pandemic was starting to ramp up, our church in Fitchburg hit a crisis. And it's totally unrelated to the pandemic, but the pandemic has made it all the more difficult to deal with. So I'm an elder at the church, and without going into details, this event led us to seek options for getting the leadership in step with God's will, just like Matt described. Um, and so in searching, I learned about Past Pastor Matt and I made an initial contact with him through email. And he quickly replied, and I immediately felt loved. One of the things he did was send us a copy of your new book. And I say it's yours because he made it clear that this book is your story. I must say that this is one incredible book that gives the leaders of a struggling New England church hope of what a church can be in this post-Christian culture. The introduction says, you can do this. And then the rest of the book breaks it down into non-negotiable biblical principles and a blueprint for applying them. And this will be and has been a valuable tool in moving us in the right direction. Your pastor has graciously made himself available to help us because he has an incredible passion to see healthy, thriving churches on gospel mission in this area. We are deeply grateful for his care. And last but certainly not least, uh, we, Kathy and I, have been greatly blessed in participating in, in your Zoom worship, which is why we keep coming back for more. Each part of the service is excellent in itself, but the best thing is that all the parts are speaking and supporting the same core message that brings the gospel life of the church in focus. We always leave encouraged and challenged. I want to thank you for the opportunity to share with you today and pray that God will continue to bless you at, so that you may be a blessing to others. Oh man, thanks Tim. Um, Everybody, would you just pause with me for a second and let's just pray for Tim and those leaders in that church in this season. Father, I pray that you would hear our prayer that we've begun to pray and continue to, that you would have grace for those who are 
and have given themselves just so deeply to the cause of the gospel in that city. I pray that you would meet every need that they have for wisdom, understanding, that they would know the counsel of the spirit, that you would provide for them. And I pray that you would gift them with boldness and courage, humility and unity, and that the banner of Christ would wave high and bright in Fitchburg in the coming years. Thanks for the gift for us to be an encouragement to them. You know how badly we do and will need encouragement ourselves in the future. So I'm trusting you with his soul and the souls of the men and the women in that church to be good to them. Would you hear my prayer for that and answer? I pray. Amen. All right, Paul and Jenny, I don't know how we could put before you a couple that has been more serious about the mission of the church and the people of the church and the call of God on their marriage and in their home this year. I'm dying because every Friday, Paul lifts in the morning while I play ball with the old guys. And he always comes into the gym and shows me his extra jacked up biceps. We'll get to do that again soon, Paul. Hopefully. All right. Go ahead. Jump in. All right. Um, so there's been, I think, a lot of sense of loss in all of this, um, but we'll just touch on one. Um, so I'll just, yeah, so, so I'll just read. So we want to share about our experience of loss during this pandemic, specifically around the lost sense of security. And, and to some degree, we all sense this loss and it's visible by all our actions of shelter in place, and social, ooh, and social distancing. Um, out of self-preservation and out of love, hold on. Sorry. <laughs> out of self-preservation and out of love for each other, uh, we're all doing our best to protect ourselves from infection. Um, but security for us as Asian Americans going through this pandemic, um, we felt an additional loss of security because of prejudice and racism. Um, with the pandemic, there's been a rise, if you don't know, of anti-Asian rhetoric and hate incidents, uh, which makes us question our physical safety when we go out. And that just goes, and that goes beyond just becoming infected. Jenny and I have read stories of Asians being harassed, kids being pushed off their bikes, people being spat at, um, businesses being vandalized. And so as Asian American parents, we wonder, will we be harassed? Are our kids safe to play outside alone in the yard? We had hard conversations with them about the possible harassment they might experience. And as parents, we wonder how our kids are experiencing this whole pandemic <clears throat> regarding the intrinsic value. On one family walk, our boys were riding ahead of us by about 100 feet. An elderly gentleman in a pickup truck pulled them over and would not drive away. We don't know exactly what his motives were, and the boys couldn't understand what he said, but we'd be lying if our first thought wasn't that he was possibly harassing our kids. In follow-up conversations after, one of our boys asked, if we wear a mask, will people stop? Will they continue to stop us? Growing up, Jenny and I have heard comments like, go back to your country, and even later in life, even in the melting pot of New York City, we were harassed in broad daylight with someone calling our, our whole family with our little ones filthy vermin. So it's not really new to us. Uh, shame based on our appearance was a real thing and it's been a shared experience for Jenny and me. So all that to say, there's been a sense of insecurity and I fully acknowledge beyond safety measures that we're, that's something we can't control. 
Uh, we continue to trust God and try to be wise with the safety of our family. Um, but deeper than that, and more importantly, what we found coming out of this is that we know that we're eternally secure. And that's been one of the richer results of this. And that as people saved by Christ, that shame is really not an issue for Jenny and myself anymore. Uh, because of scripture, we know that our intrinsic value comes from being created by the almighty creator. We're all on this call fearfully and wonderfully made, no matter what color or where we come from. Our identity and value are based in the fact that we're sons and daughters in Christ. And with his redemptive work, that's forever. So as parents who want to be good stewards and knowing that this is going to be a lifelong battle for us and our family, uh, we've been convicted to love our children better by ingraining in them that their identity is rooted in Christ, not in race or what external value they bring to the table. So we just ask that, you know, you help us in that journey and that you just pray for us there. Paul, thank you. And I'm so sorry, and we love you all the way down. They see us, yeah. All right, Jeremy and Chelsea. Yeah, who have been the craziest gift to our church since arrival, since I quasi-hostily addressed them when I met them for the first time. And they actually live around the corner for us, from us. Uh, Jeremy has proven to be one of those men who, no matter what I've done or thought or how low I've gotten, I can just send him a text and walk down to his house. And they've got this little room on the first floor where we can just talk and pray. Um, so that's been a mad gift to me. And... Uh, also watching their girls learn how to ride bikes day by day until they got there. Way to go, Annabelle and Eve. All right, why don't you guys jump in? All right, can you see us, I guess? All right, good. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, so laments and joys. Uh, so the first thing, I'll, I'll talk about some laments here. Um, so just not seeing our friends and being able to touch our friends it, for me has personally has been really difficult. It goes against everything I am. So that's been, that's been a real challenge. Um, in fact, it almost feels like it's like I'm, I'm standoffish with people now. It's because it's so dr dr dramatically different than, than what I'm used to. Uh, so that's been, that's been a challenge. Um, number uh, two this uh, uncertainty of unemployment. So, um, uh, working uh, GE's laid off, you know, 10% so far, and they're looking at another 15%. So there's a bit of uncertainty there uh, going forward, and that so that's not not been ideal. But um, Christ is sustaining us uh, in this time. Um, and then so uh, Bella's Bella's situation here, you know, even before the pandemic has has been really drawn out and frustrating, and it, it's it's made it a, even more challenging and uh, more waiting. So, so that's been difficult. Um, we have had uh, tremendous prayer, for, prayer support from our gospel community group, Oak Grove. Uh, thank you guys so much. We love you. Uh, it's been, it's been wonderful um, hosting prayer meetings uh, while we're having a DCF, while the DCF is actually meeting for, 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 uh, for the case. So that's been, that's, that's incredible. Um, as far as joys go, um, 
So, uh, yeah, the Lord's opened up an, an opportunity for us on Friday. So on Fridays in Melrose, as I think most folks know, there's, you know, a bang your pots and pans to celebrate the, uh, the healthcare workers um, supporting uh, COVID-19. And so uh, we've gotten together with, with neighbors uh, on that. And then that's turned into a standing Friday evening thing where we go over to their house and we set up our lawn chairs, you know, plenty of distance, but we just well, hang we, out. The well, girls, will, the, the, the girl, the girl, at the rocks. Yeah, the girl yeah, at the rocks. We go to that, That's right. The, the girls just dance away and get get all covered in mulch, and you know, it's just a really good time, just catching up and just loving on and enjoying the company of our of our neighbors. It's a great gospel opportunity, and uh, that it will continue. Um, and so, uh, lots of time with family. So we've been together a lot, and so uh, so we're. We're getting to know each other really well. Uh, the jury's still out on whether or not we're learning patience, um, but uh, I like to think we are. Uh, um, we've taught we've 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 taught 66% of these these little girls how to ride bikes, as Matt indicated. So Annabelle and Eve, they're doing so well. So that that's been fantastic. So we've 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 pushed them in earnest, you know, in the last few months. You fell on the street, yeah. I rode on. Oh, you rode on the street. Yeah, you rode on the street. Yeah. Yes, okay. Um so we're saving a lot of money by uh by the by you know not not driving around and you know because of you know the threat of losing a job, you know, that you 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 cut back a lot. So that's been that's been a, a joy, a blessing in this. Um and you know, I think the most important thing I think is the the opportunity to um just to, to focus more on the blesser, uh, the God of our salvation, rather than his blessings. So, you know, I think we've come to um, base our security on a lot of a lot of his blessings and uh, and 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 uh, just the things of this world that the you know um, just the the pillars of our security that aren't based in God are just really flimsy. And I think this season has exposed that to some degree. And uh, I think that's a joy, and uh, that's a joy to be able to to realize that. And so it it allows us to lean more on on, on the Lord and just uh, focus on Him, because that's that's the reason for any blessing is just to, to give give our attention over to Him. Um, and um, yeah, you go you get something. Yeah, um, contentment has definitely been a blessing of this season. A few years ago, when we started doing foster care, one of the things that I, I've been praying always for my kids is not only do I want them to know the love of Christ and that they would um, believe scripture to be true, but I have been praying and just asking that God would help us to do hard things with our kids, um, recognizing that um, in those hard things, God builds our faith. And it was somewhere in this spring that, um, as I was just praying and praying that there would be some resolution, um, mm. in regards to, to Bella, that God was showing me that he was answering my prayer. Um, mm. and that sometimes our prayers are not answered at the, mm. at the speed that we want them to be answered. Um, but then in fact, he was answering my prayer because we were doing hard things. Um, and he, I remember him telling me, Chelsea, if you want to do hard things with your kids, you have to 
you are like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm answering your prayer. And, um, it struck me here in the last few weeks that, um, in this season, he's answering that prayer by allowing us to just be content. Um, you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves, hard, it is hard to be content, um, with the things that, um, you know, God has given us in this season that the temptation is either to be guilty because you're unaffected and you see others struggling or um, to be to be angry or look jealously at others. Um, but a, it is a gift to be able to um, to practice contentment and show our kids that a gift to be able to give that to our kids. Um in, I've been reading through scripture, um, doing um, the Bible project with some of the women in our with, with some of the women in our gospel community, and it's clear to me that God is sovereign over all of our experiences. Or He's sovereign over the ex, you know all of the experiences and uh, stories that we see in scripture, and similarly, God is sovereign over each of our experiences, um, no matter if it's blessing or hardship in this season. Um, and and so I'm I'm thankful for the ways that I see God at work in our lives and trust that He's accomplishing His purposes. Thanks for sharing with us that way. A double plus for doing it with three kids climbing on you. Wow. How did you speak so articulately on that? Way to go. All right. Last is Brett and Katie. So if you haven't met them, what are you doing? You need to. They've been serving also with our um fourth through sixth graders, just so beautifully, such an awesome presence in their lives. Also engaged in thinking about marriage stuff in this season. We're in gospel community with them. They have been exemplary in their seriousness about gospel centrality and purity in this engagement process. Um, so I think they're going to talk some about that world uh, Brett, thanks for running caboose on this. It's yours. <laughs> thanks. Good morning, everybody. Um, you guys can hear me, right? Yeah, thumbs up from somebody. Cool. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, first off, thanks everyone for speaking and sharing your experiences already. I know it's a huge encouragement um, to me to hear not only, you know, some of the laments, but some of the joys that are, that are happening in people's lives. Um, I think, you know, this is obviously a season with a lot of different laments for a lot of different reasons, right? So uh, most obviously there's millions of people that are sick <laughs> uh, and lots of people that are dying. And that's a huge lament for our world overall. Um, and then there's just so many sacrifices in so many ways of, of things that people are having to sort of give up or um, sort of forego in this season. And I think, I think of, you know, simple things like birthday parties and uh, celebrations with family and cookouts. I think of bigger life events like high school and college graduations that are being missed. Um, and, you know, uh, funerals in some instances, things that are just sort of having to be put on pause because of the, the state of the world that we're in. And, uh, there's sorrow in, in all of that. Um, you know, as Matt mentioned, uh, 
Kitty and I recently got engaged, as many as many of you know, um, and we're sort of in the midst of planning a, a wedding ceremony out in California uh, for September. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you've ever planned a wedding before, you know it can be sort of a stressful experience, um, especially if you're doing it from an opposite coast. And we've sort of dealt with that firsthand, um, just the difficulty of, of navigating those waters and some of the tensions that that puts on uh, familial relationships as well. Um, so we've been going through this process for a couple months and then, you know, obviously a pandemic hits and sort of changes the world and puts everything on pause. So, um, you know, slowly over time, as we sort of monitored the situation, we sort of had to come to terms with the fact that, you know, our wedding might not look like what we had originally, uh, envisioned, anticipated, hoped for even, uh, and so, you know, originally planning a, a wedding in California with lots of family and friends and have needed to sort of cancel that altogether, move things back to this coast and go from, you know, a large gathering with, with some of our loved ones to a really small gathering um, of like 20 or 30 people. You know, I don't think I've ever, ever anticipated getting married probably in my backyard or my grandparents' backyard. Um, but, you know, everyone's sort of having to reimagine things uh, in this season. And I think there's sorrow in that. There's difficulty in that um, because I think we've both sort of slowly come to grips with the fact that again it's not going to be what we originally envisioned for our our you know momentous occasion of our of our marriage and our wedding um and it's not going to look like a typical wedding uh or a typical joining of two people like like we see with a lot of other people and there's there's definitely sorrow and and difficulty in that i think um the, the other sorrow comes from just again the stress that it's put on uh us personally, um, in terms of the planning process, in terms of thinking through things financially, um, but also just our, our relationships with people around us and our family. Um, it's so hard with Katie's family being all on the West Coast and my family being all on the East Coast. I mean, how do you wrestle with those two different realities? How do you decide on a place where this is going to happen and one family's got to get on a plane or, or travel and sort of risk their personal health in that way in the midst of a pandemic, you feel like either decision is not a great one because people are going to miss out. People aren't going to be able to be there. And that's, that's a really hard tension to, to wrestle with. Um, but I think, you know, through all that, uh, there's definitely great difficulty, but I think there's def definitely great hope for us as well, as we've sort of been reimagining this whole event um, and thinking about, and I'm especially thankful to the Browns here for speaking earlier on a very similar topic, but I think, um, you know, sort of uh, reimagining our day. I think there's, there's excitement and hope in that, but also just being reminded of what it's actually about. Um, I think it's easy when you get lost in the planning process and you're lining up vendors and spending money on things and sending invites and all that to get lost in this ceremony and the celebration. But I think when you distill it down to its simplest form, it's about the joining of two families. It's the joining of two people and there's great hope and celebration in that. And so rather than give ourselves fully to this idea of this big spectacle and this big parade, we've sort of given ourselves this idea of let's, let's really dive into the work of becoming one. Um, and I think that's led to one of the stronger seasons in our relationship devotionally in faith to God. Um, and, and that's been huge, I think. Um, and so I think, you know, if, if one thing that comes out of this uh, epidemic for, for pretty much everybody, and some people have already touched on it, um, 
it's this idea of sort of like auditing your life and seeing how you spend your time, right? On the futile things that we sort of give our, our efforts to, our money to, our, our attention to sometimes, um, and sort of having to reimagine some of that. And I think we've certainly done that in our relationship and it's obviously far from perfect, um, but I'm really, I'm really glad and, and full of hope and joy with the strides we've made uh, in our relationship um, the difficult conversations that we've had to have with some of our family, but the fruit that's come out of that and the fruit that's come out of times like this with our church family in gospel community, uh, and in, in spending time faithfully in, in devotion to the Lord. And he's been faithful to us too. You know, there's been so many big joys in our life in spite of some of the sorrow. Uh, there's been great joys, you know, um, my brother had their first child this past week. So we're, aunts and uncles to a newborn baby. And I know we've had a lot of new life in this church too. So that's an exciting thing. Um, you know, we're in the midst of pursuing a home purchase. So that's an exciting thing too. And so it's easy to dwell on the things that are not going well and miss some of the blessings that God's putting in your life. And I think because this wedding is a really big sorrow in some ways, he's had to give us really obvious blessings that we can kind of get hit in the face with and be like, Oh no, he's still like, he sees this and he feels for us and he's still blessing us in these ways. be looking at it's easy to get lost in the big sorrows and the big laments of this season but there's so many little ways aside from those those big things that i'm mentioning that god is doing to bless our lives and bring joy and grace into our lives in this season and i encourage everyone to sort of be on the lookout for those things and be thanking god for those things because he hears us when we cry and he hears our laments and he he answers our prayers in that way so um yeah thanks thanks to this community for for everything that you guys have done to support us throughout this you have anything to add to that <laughs> all right thanks brett katie whenever that wedding happens i'll be there all right it's gonna be good can we just let the weight of that sink in us in prayer before we move to song together just this whole call and uh ask that god would have our hearts be alive to him let's do that father you have heard folks from this church share honestly and freely both about being sorrowful, and yet always rejoicing because you are God and you are for us. There are ages to come where there are, is no sorrow, and you are the God who stepped into the sorrows of this age to redeem us. You've set your love on us. So I pray that every moment, every circumstance, every sorrow, every blessing, our hearts would be alive to you to your purposes in it, that we would be those who could actually say with honest hearts, yep, here's the story of my life as sorrowful, of course, and yet in every season, rejoicing, joy, because of the grace of the gospel. I also ask that you would grow this church as others come to taste and see what's possible if, if Christ is the ground of their lives and that they would move from just sorrowful and hopeless to sorrowful and always rejoicing, would you help us build a culture where that can happen? Hear my prayer for those things. Be with us in these coming weeks and months that we just stay tightly gripped in your love. I pray for that. Amen. Amen. Trusting you for that.
All right, let's sing together on the back end of this, and then we'll move into our day. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forevermore. Oh, how sweet the sound. Oh, how grace abounds. We will praise the Lord, our rescuer. There is good news for the captive. There is good news for the doubter, the one the world has failed, for the good Lord has come to seek and save. Also, Carachas, Jill, Josh, Felipe, Emily, Nick, thank you for hustling on that. 
All right, our time always ends with a benediction, a good word, ascending out into God's world for God's glory. Um, the, the righteous live by faith. So just trust God this week. Don't play scared. Go after him with all that you've got. And um, we'll be in touch mid to end week with a bunch of stuff on what reentry can look like to our worshiping life and holding all that together.